Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain, living in Canada, and who's worked in the U.S. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Now, our topic today is a question, a Merck manual for family caregivers, question mark. The Merck manual, it was first published as long ago as 1899, and it's now on physicians' bookshelves the world over. Here on Family Caregivers Unite, among the commonest needs we hear about for help from family caregivers is for information that's timely, trustworthy, and intelligible, and that meets their needs, which is why we're talking about a Merck manual for family caregivers. Now, to discuss this topic, our guests today are Dr. Robert S. Porter and Christine Gordon. First, Dr. Porter, he's an emergency physician by training. He's the editor-in-chief of the Merck Manuals. He oversees the staff and over 400 national and international medical specialists in preparation and publication in print and online of all the Merck Manuals. These include, include the Merck Manual Home Health Handbook, which translates all the medical jargon in the professional version into everyday language. He led the transition of the manuals from printed contents to continuously updated online reference resources. Now, he's also clinical assistant professor of emergency medicine at Thomas Jefferson University. And prior to joining Merck, he was a member of the Department of Urgent of Emergency Medicine at the Albert Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He completed his medical internship at the Cleveland Clinic and his emergency medical medicine residency at Mount Sinai Medical Center of Cleveland, Cleveland where he was chief resident in emergency medicine. Christine Gordon, BFA, BEd, is director of clinical sorry, of client services and programs of the Alzheimer's Society Canada. She's an educator whose experience includes music specialist, zoo educator, sexuality instructor, instructor and historical interpreter. She's worked in the field of dementia care for over 20 years and she was drawn to the dementia care field following her uh, family's experience in caring for her grandmother. 
Christine says that in the 1980s, there was not a lot of information available for family members. So, she says, we muddled our way through. Convinced that there must be a better way, she embarked on a learning path to better understand the dementia experience. And the learning stood her in good stead while supporting her dad in the care of her mother, who was living with vascular dementia. So, welcome to the show, Rob and Christine. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Gordon. Okay. Now, Rob, first of all, let's start with you. Please tell us the story of the one-page Merck Manual of Health. Well, this is uh, one page that's uh, at the back of our 2,400-page Merck Manual Home Health Handbook, and it should be up online, too, uh, by the time our program airs. But basically, the Merck Manual, like you were saying, is a medical reference book. We talk about diseases, disorders, symptoms, probably about 2,500 of them. But our publishers would always ask me, Rob, you know, why don't you do us a book on health? People want a book on health. And I'd always answer back, you don't need a book on health. Everything we need to know about health can, can be put on one sheet of paper. And I would just kind of throw that out. But one day I thought I'd sit down and I'd actually do it. I'd put it on, on one sheet. And I did. And the reason you can do that is that, you know, health isn't a, a great secret. It's, you know, everybody thinks that we need some magic herb that Indiana Jones brought back from, from Tibet or, you know, some learning that, uh, that, that a, a sage in a, in a village in the remote Andes knows that no one else does. And it's not that. We, we all know what to do to stay healthy. Uh, you know, it's simple things. They're hard to do, but we know what they are. So I put them all down on one, one sheet of paper. Got, got it. Christine, please tell us about the types of questions that the Alzheimer's Society receives from family caregivers. I think it's a really good question, Gordon, and, and it's certainly far-ranging. We get everything from how do we know if someone, mom, dad, whoever, has Alzheimer's disease, what are, what are some of the signs that we should be looking for? What's the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's disease? I've had family carers say to me, well, you know, thank heavens mom doesn't have Alzheimer's disease. She does have dementia. So that's a big question that we get. Um, we get things that are the practical. How do we stop mom from repeating herself? How long will we be providing care? What's the lifespan expected for someone who's living with Alzheimer's disease? How do we keep well as, as a caregiver? And what kinds of things should we be expect? What should we be looking for? Um, what's available out in the community? What do we need to help us? Um, what are we going to require for the future? And what is this person going to require for the future? And then we get very specific things about what is available from the healthcare system, certainly here in Canada, in uh, the various areas that, uh, that people live. So it's a real wide range of everything from we don't know what's going on to please help us understand what is going on. Got it. Rob, now I'm looking forward to the time when there is the Merck Manual uh, online for family caregivers. And I'm going to ask you, what is the key information that you would want family caregivers to be given regarding the first signs of Alzheimer's disease? Rob? Well, a couple things that are worth remembering. First one is that this is a gradual onset condition, which means that if 
if mom was fine and she woke up and she doesn't know who anybody is, you, that's not Alzheimer's disease. That's something else that's going on. This is, is a slowly progressive thing. And it typically starts with memory. Now, of course, anyone who's our age and forgets where they put their keys immediately thinks, oh, my gosh, I've got Alzheimer's disease. But that's probably not the case. The, the memory we're talking about is not that you don't remember the name of the person you just met. You forget that you met a person that, that afternoon and that you forget things that you have been remembering, that you normally remember. So we're not paying bills, you know, the monthly, monthly rent, the monthly uh, mortgage bill, the taxes don't get done. Uh, appointments don't get made if you've, you know, your mother's arranged to have lunch with you and forgets to show up. So that kind of memory problem. Then we'll also maybe see some, begin to see some problems with judgment. So that's why older people tend to fall prey to, to scams. And, uh, you know, so if, if your dad had never had any interest in the shore, but he all of a sudden announces that he bought a timeshare at the beach um, at a place they never went, that, that would be, be some of your first hints. Right. Christine, it's exactly the same question. What is mm -hmm. the key information that you would want family caregivers to be given regarding these first signs of Alzheimer's disease? Well, I think one of the things that people really struggle with is exactly what Rob was saying. You know, what's the difference between kind of normal age-related, oops, I've left my car keys or I forgot where I put them or why did I come into this room kinds of questions to, well, what's the difference between that and the memory loss that affects uh, people um, that are in the earlier stages of Alzheimer's disease? And I think sort of that normal age recline or decline is... Um, you know that you remember people's names, but you don't remember quite where you met to them or whatever that is. And recalling facts and words, I like to talk, call that the, you know, the word that suddenly went home to be with who knows where, but you used to have a grasp of it, but it comes back later. That's all kind of normal stuff. The stuff that you really start to need to pay attention to is your change in vocabulary, how you use language, um, decision-making, creativity. Uh, that's something that isn't normally affected by your normal age-related decline. The ability to learn. People, in, even in their very early stages of Alzheimer's disease, have start to have difficulty picking up new information and retaining it. And then being fluent in language, that's something else that people often recognize. And in the very early stages of what we call mild cognitive impairment, um, we're talking about memory lapses, but not ones that affect day to day. When we start talking about paying attention, if this could be Alzheimer's disease, it's memory loss that affects your day-to-day -day function. And I think in the early, early stages, the lapses aren't necessarily noticeable or obvious to anybody else, but somebody self-reporting will say, my memory's not what it used to be. I'm having trouble making decisions. I'm not as quick about grasping information. Those are the things that they would say about themselves, but somebody else observing may not. So I think those, those are the things to pay attention to. 
Just a quick supplementary to Rob. These sound like pretty subtle things. And would it be right to say that the family caregiver, and there isn't always a family caregiver involved, but when there is, would you say that they are the first, apart from the individual, who are likely to see or perceive or understand or perhaps be aware of these kind of things that both you and Christine have been talking about? Well, kind of yes and no, Gordon. It's kind of like, uh, you know, watching your, your children grow up. You, you can't see the day-to-day sometimes. So if you're living with the person and these things are happening slowly, often we tend to, to rationalize it or not even notice it, whereas maybe your sibling who lives, uh, you know, on the other side of the country and comes to visit uh, every couple months, they'll notice a change. So... Uh, sometimes it, it takes a little step back for the person to, to notice it. Got it. No, I was going I'm to say to... that I would absolutely agree with that, and sometimes it's people that you might know more socially. You know, somebody in the bridge club notices that that person isn't playing the way they used to, but their husband or wife haven't noticed that at all. Got it. Now, I'm afraid this the time is upon us where we have to pay the rent, and so we're going to take a short break, but we are coming back. So this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guests are Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you lost, fed up, knowing you're better, and yet not knowing why? Let Derek O'Neill transform the not knowing into the knowing by showing you the way. Whether it's not being able to drop the excess weight to unhealthy relationships or finances that you know you deserve. Derek provides insights that are like magnets to invite what you want in your life and repel what you don't want. Tune into Derek now to discover how to improve your life immediately and unleash the winner that you know you are and others need to see. Listen Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Katherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Help, you know I need someone 
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. Our topic is a Merck Manual for Family Caregivers. Now, let's talk more about the types of information needed by family caregivers about various aspects of Alzheimer's disease. Um, Starting with you, Rob, um, what information do you think family caregivers should have about warning signs of worrisome trends? Right. Well, as, as we mentioned, this Alzheimer's is a progressive downhill course, so after it first starts, it's going to pick up and we'll see other signs, and there'll be both physical and mental signs. Physical um, will be things uh, indicating difficulty caring for themselves sometimes. So do they have uh, disheveled or dirty clothing? Is their hair must or not washed carefully? Uh, is their clothing soiled like they're having trouble getting to the toilet? Often... Uh, Frailty issues start. People have a little more difficulty walking. They may have falls, um, trouble feeding themselves sometimes. You may see food stains on the clothes. They may be losing weight. Uh, the mental decline is uh, more problems, as Christine mentioned, with learning. It becomes more obvious to, to everyone. Um, we might start to see personality changes, and these are typically exacerbations of the the person's baseline uh, state. So someone who's always tended to be a little irritable may become quite cranky and and often sometimes even mean to uh, friends and family. People who are uh, always worried a little bit may become preoccupied with their anxieties and worries. So, um, and this is is often very disturbing to, to family and friends because this is not the person they've known, that their, their personality is changing. So that's, that's always very concerning, but it uh, can be a sign that the dementia is worsening. Christine, it's exactly the same question once more. What do you think family caregivers should have in the way of warning, no, information about warning signs of what we call worrisome trends? Um, well, I think this is what families would start to see is, you know, they'd ha- the person is having more and more difficulty with what I call kind of the complex tasks. You know, if people have uh, balanced their checkbooks in the past, they may stop doing that. What families also ask a lot about is, you know, mom has started lying. And that's a trend that is very disturbing to families because, of course, the family um, is thinking that this person is making up stories, and yet the person themselves is reporting the information as they believe it to be, which, of course, is part of the brain function. I think earlier, too, in the earlier stages, the person may have some insight into the fact that they're having challenges and may be able to say, I'm having trouble. As the disease progresses, of course, um, that ability to have insight is lost. And so the person who has the disease believes that they're just fine, thank you very much, and everybody else is a little off base. And I think that's very troublesome for families, too, because 
the families are thinking, you know, there's something really wrong here. And if I had a nickel for every family who said to me, can you get mom to admit she has Alzheimer's disease, I could probably retire. But that's not going to happen by the, with the progression of the disease. So that's also something that you see. And then, of course, that fine line caregivers walk between helping too much and helping not enough. And because this disease is so variable on a day-to-day, sometimes moment-by-moment basis, you know, you think, well, she could do it yesterday. Why can't she do it today? Or she could do it today, and tomorrow she can't, so she's doing this despite me. Those are all worrisome trends for families. Right. Rob, um, I'm going to ask you now, it's always the same question, what information should family caregivers have? But the particular focus of this question is substance use and medications. Rob? Well, cer- certainly. Uh, with the elderly who are starting into problems with dementia, probably the main thing I'd be concerned about is smoking. They continue to smoke. It's no better for you than it used to be. And it's, they're reaching the age where the, the lung damage builds up and uh, chronic bronchitis, emphysema um, come into play. And also just fires from smoking. They become you know, less careful of, of their cigarettes and their matches. So that's the substance use that I'd really like to focus on. Alcohol is um, somewhat less of an issue. It does worsen dementia in Uh, more than very slight amounts, but as far as real alcohol abuse, certainly in my my clinical experience, people uh, don't develop alcohol abuse at that age. If they're going to get it, they have it younger, and they either get over it, uh, you know, through rehab or die. Uh, So, you know, serious alcohol abuse I don't see as much. And the same with street drugs. It's either either gone or uh, they've either quit or or not survived it, although I occasionally would get an elderly gentleman in his 70s who admits to still doing cocaine, but he's much much the exception, fortunately. Um, the biggest issue, of course, with drugs in the elderly are prescription drugs and medications, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is that um, as we get older, we're on more and more medications, and unfortunately, we're also more susceptible to all the adverse effects of these drugs, particularly the effects on the brain. So, um, drugs that are would have been very well tolerated by the person in uh, middle age may uh, make them drowsy and confused when they're older. So, anti-drugs for depression, drugs for anxiety, drugs for sleep, uh, all of these can, can have, have adverse effects. And also drugs that we wouldn't even think about as having effects on the mind can particularly, say, allergy medications that have antihistamines in them. They're often difficult for the elderly to tolerate. Um, And as I mentioned, uh, the fact that they're often on many of these drugs. So they uh, go to the doctor one time and say, well, I'm anxious. They get an anti-anxiety drug. A few months later, they're having trouble sleeping. They get a drug for sleep, and the two pills add up, and all of a sudden the dementia worsens, and everyone wonders why. So the first thing we think of are the drugs. And then as dementia progresses, or even when it's just starting, as Christine hinted, it's tough to keep track of things. So people have trouble keeping track of their medicines. Mm -hmm. All the time I see people in in the emergency department, they bring in their medicines, and they've got three bottles of this drug, and they've got four bottles of that one because they 
you know, would refill a prescription. And I can't tell, are you taking one of each from each bottle or are you taking mm-hmm. them as you're supposed to? So that, of course, is a, um, is a, is a big problem with, with drugs in the elderly. Right. Christine, different question now. Same, but it's always, what do family caregivers need to know, do you think? But the particular focus here is diet and nutrition. What do you think? Well, I think for both the person living with dementia and their care partner, um, living with Alzheimer's disease it can be certainly very challenging. And, you know, whether you have the disease or you're caring for someone who does, I think it's really important to be as healthy as you can be. And, of course, you know, we're, I always feel like I'm preaching to the choir because so many organizations talk about, um, you know, healthy diet, but it really is important. And I know that... Um, you know, we have here in Canada, we have Canada's food rules, which is, you know, the pyramid that nobody can remember how many bits of this and that that you're supposed to eat. So I personally like the idea, and I've heard this echoed through a number of nutritional programs, is put a rainbow on your plate so that you're looking at, you know, those antioxidant foods and you're looking at lots of fruits and vegetables and, you know, healthy grains, etc. And I think that that's a really good visual for caregivers to remind themselves both for uh, for the person they're caring for, but also for themselves, because you need to have that brain healthy and heart healthy, and those two go hand in glove um, together to keep as well as possible um, for for healthy living. And I think that that whole piece of nutrition is just um, very very important for all of us and throughout the lifespan. You know, not till uh, not just because of a, a disease that happens. And I can't tell you how many times I've been, for instance, in a care center where I have seen somebody with dementia being served ground chicken, mashed potatoes, and cauliflower on a white plate. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a rainbow. And so reminding people that it doesn't matter, you still need to have that that heart and head healthy diet and that nutrition is just vital. Back to you, Rob, just a quickie and also for Christine, just to say this. It sounds to me as though the monitoring, so to speak, of substance use, medications, diet and nutrition is really quite a fundamental um, almost responsibility. Yes, it is a responsibility for family caregivers. Rob, would you agree with that? Yes, um, the the family needs to keep an, an eye on that. Particularly um, as a doctor, I want to put in a plug for keeping an eye on the, the medications. We'll often see that uh, if you see that a bottle is lasting longer than it should, if it was filled a month ago and or two months ago and it's half full, it, it means that mom's not taking her pills. And uh, that, that's something we have to keep, keep right on. And, of course, the uh, dietary issues like Christine mentioned, uh, they need to be encouraged to... You know, have the healthy diet and, and throw out food that's gone, gone bad. I've had to do that with my family members many a time. Right. Yes, I, would agree with, I would absolutely agree with that. It's kind of monitoring. And we say, you know, past really the mid-stage of the disease, out of sight for a lot of people with dementia is out of mind. 
So if they can't see it, it doesn't exist. So if there's lovely, healthy, fresh food in the fridge, but they don't remember what the fridge is or its connection to holding food, they may resort to, you know, the Oreos that are in the cupboard and a cup of tea that is, you know, because the tea bags are on on the counter. That certainly happens. The other things with medications that I know I experienced with my own mom was she went through a period of time of (laughs) somebody's trying to poison me and what are you trying to give me? So watching those medications and making sure that if somebody drops them on the floor that they're attended to, that monitoring aspect really does become really, really important as the disease progresses. Right. Now, again, once more, it's time to take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guests are Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Step up to the microphone. View the finalists right now on VoiceAmericaKids.tv. America's next great star is waiting to be discovered. Step up to the microphone is an exclusive presentation for VoiceAmerica.tv, where you can see and hear America's next top child star. The program is hosted by Voice America's own Cassie Frazier, and new episodes will be available every week exclusively at VoiceAmericaKids.tv. You can say you saw them at the beginning of their superstar career. Tune in to VoiceAmericaKids.tv. Professionals and families who are dealing with autism face challenges that can lead to many questions. Questions about how to understand, communicate, and support each other. Every week, Autism Today with host Dr. Patrick J. Rydell will focus on dealing with the diagnosis and the day-to-day challenges of autism spectrum disorders. Dr. Rydell will combine his 30 years of experience along with featured guests from the ASD field to provide their insights and answers to your questions. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Come back to your senses. Imagine a radio show that will help you recover your common sense. Host Leah Brenda Smith is a health and wellness specialist who will explain techniques designed to help you recover from the stress of your life. It's all about how you respond to your thoughts. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way in helping you to relax and enjoy your life. Tune in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. Our topic is a Merck Manual for Family Caregivers. Now, let's talk more about the types of information needed by family caregivers 
about other aspects of Alzheimer's disease. So starting with you, Rob, what about family care information about injuries, the role well, that they play? Well, near and dear to my heart as an emergency physician. <laughs> oh, uh, what, what you're going to see, it's, it's falls, falls, and more falls, and then some from, from driving, car crashes. So falls can be anywhere that people are, but stairs, tubs, bathrooms is, is what you're going to see. And it's for a number of reasons. Uh, of the physical decline, people can't see as well. They're not as strong. They're not as coordinated. Their sensation is a bit impaired. They have trouble, you know, just catching their balance. And you add that into issues in the physical environment. And this is where, of course, our, our listeners uh, can help and intervene because there's all sorts of factors involved in facilitating or inhibiting falls. So lighting, if people can't see, they're more likely to trip. Floor coverings, the edges of rugs are, catch people all the time. Cracks in the linoleum, gaps in the floor, steps and stairs, um, wires coming across, you know, cords. And, of course, the proverbial slippery floor, any, any surface that's even slightly slippery that, you know, someone at middle age or younger takes a slight slip, recovers their balance and doesn't even think about it, the older person, down they go, and they're often likely to uh, have an injury. 40 or 50 percent will, will have a significant injury. And even those that don't may take, um, you know, weeks and weeks to recover. So that's a, that's a key area of, of injury and an area that we can, we can help. Driving, um, older drivers are uh, less likely uh, to be in, in car accidents uh, as per person, but per mile traveled, the rate is very high. It's, uh, per mile traveled, the crash rate's as high as in people under 20. So older people tend to self-regulate this. So they drive fewer miles. They drive maybe only in the daytime to familiar places, but you know, nonetheless, they're at, at risk for uh, car crashes, you know, particularly pulling out from, from intersections, making turns across traffic. Uh, it's quite a troublesome thing. And, of course, once they've had an injury, their body's less able to uh, put up with, with that kind of insult than, than younger people. So it's a, it's a problem all around. And once there's an injury, may institute the uh, you know, move to rehab and then uh, perhaps assisted care. Christine. Um, same thing. What should family caregivers n know or be given in the way of information about infection? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Now, I'd just like to add a couple of things to what Rob said is one of the things that we find is with injuries is footwear. And, um, you, you know, those backless mules uh, for slippers that sometimes people wear can be extremely dangerous. And the other thing that I know are talking around safety, um, which is a committee that I sit on, is pedestrian accidents as well. And just as Rob said, you know, they pull out when they aren't, you know, maybe looking the right way. The same thing you see with pedestrian accidents. Somebody goes to step across the, the street. And Gordon, obviously, having been raised in England, you you've, you know that issue about looking the right or the left. And that also becomes quite confusing for people. So pedestrian accidents are also something that, that we see and hear about from family caregivers. Infection is one of those that when some a family calls me and says, you know, mom just, oh boy, her disease has just gone downhill almost overnight. 
I would say that there's probably an infection and they need to see the doctor because urinary tract infections, particularly for women, are not uncommon. And that's a very common cause of infection. And, of course, uh, teeth and gums. I just had a a request, actually, for some information from a family today uh, from somebody who is living in a care centre that this woman has had a tooth broken off and she has infection, won't let anybody look at her gums, won't let anybody look in her mouth. What do they do? So those, I think, are are very uh, common. And then one of the other things that has recently come to attention, certainly here, is the whole issue around things like um, shingles and experiencing the pain. And, of course, what you often see for somebody in the middle or later stages of dementia is that how we know that they're in pain or that there's an infection or something is a change in their behavior and how they're presenting to the world. Uh, you know, they may become quite combative or they may be very angry and have outbursts and not be able to tell what's going on. And I think that that's a very difficult thing for caregivers is to try and discern what is happening, and I think that is, is very much related to infection or unaddressed pain, even in things like arthritis as an example. Rob, I'm going over to you now. Um, information about health gen- generally. Now, you know, you know when you were talking about the two-pager about health, you gave a very good summary of what health means when there aren't things like Alzheimer's about. So I'd like to ask you to talk about health, information for family caregivers about health in the case, in the instance of Alzheimer's disease, and particularly with things like personal hygiene and oral hygiene or oral health. Rob? Sure. Well, I'd like to address some of the general issues that that I think are really important and physicians in, in general do, first of all. And the first is that people need to take care of their known conditions. I mean, it sounds obvious, okay, that a person has diabetes, they have high blood pressure. Well, of course they're going to take care of it, but uh, studies have shown that up to half of older people um, don't take their medications as they're prescribed, as it's, it's put on the label. And, um, you know, about a third of people with high blood pressure aren't um, following optimal therapy. People with diabetes uh, aren't following optimal monitoring and uh, and care care of of the disease and these are things that are known this isn't something we're waiting for science to figure out and tell us these are things that you know we already know to do but that for various reasons uh, that are magnified in the elderly in comprehension reading memory uh, known problems are are not getting dealt with as they should be so this is as we mentioned before where the family really needs to step up, and the, the uh, clinician, the physician, needs to kind of redouble their monitoring efforts to make sure that everything is happening the way they think it's happening, that just because they prescribe the medicine doesn't necessarily mean that it's getting taken that way, that you know, the person can get the prescription filled, that they can get to the drugstore. So all of these things uh, you know, really need to be, be followed up with by everyone who's helping the older person, the family needs to help them get ready for their doctor visits so that if mom had a prob, uh, complaint on Tuesday that she tells her daughter and the doctor's appointment is on Thursday, write it down so we don't forget it. 
Um, right. As far as I'm, hygiene uh, goes, I'm, I'm giving that a little less time because these are things that people know people know how to do. Uh, you know, oral hygiene, brushing the teeth, needing some assistance with it, getting the checkups, getting the dental checkups, um, making sure the doctor is aware of uh, giving drugs that dry the mouth um, so that <clears throat> uh, more liquids can be uh, prescribed or, or moisteners. Now, hygiene for the bed bound is really where the biggest issue is, but I don't know that we really want to get into that here. But, uh, you know, hygiene for someone who can't provide any of their, uh, their self-care is, is a separate issue. Perfectly fair. Now, Christine, information about exercise and sleep. Well, certainly for both the person who's living with dementia and Alzheimer's disease that's, and, and, or the, and being a care partner, it's really, really important. Um, the exercise, of course, reduces, can help reduce anxiety. It can help regulate more of our um, systems, all of those things, and, and adequate sleep. Without adequate sleep, I don't know about you, but it can significantly impair my mood and function, and I think it also it has an effect on people's memory. So even if they're living with a cognitive impairment and they're not getting enough sleep, that really does double up on the challenges that they may be experiencing, which of course may cause challenges even more so for their care partner. So getting adequate sleep and exercise is really important and that exercise can also help people sleep, of course, and getting into that into that routine. And what we see sometimes is that both the person living with the disease and their care partner will have little cat naps. And so they may sleep for an hour and a half or two hours in the morning and then again in the afternoon. And then when we're asking, well, so tell me a little bit about your sleep habits, they're saying, well, and I'm not sleeping at all at night. But that's probably because they've slept, you know, three to six hours perhaps during the day. So it really becomes trying to regulate that. And I know in northern climates, like we have in some places in Canada, it becomes a problem because people really go to those circadian rhythms. You know, you wake up and when it's light and you go to bed when it's dark. Well, if you live in the Northwest Territories, that could be pretty much most of the day. Um, but I think that paying attention to that routine and getting out, getting exercise, getting your, um, you know, sunshine when you can, all of those really help to reduce some of the negative effects for both the care partner and the person who's living with the disease. Thanks it's just really now, another aspect of health to really look after. Right. Now, once again, it's time for us to take the break, pay the rent. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guests are Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. So what is this thing called love? It's a question that people have attempted to answer for centuries, and it's a subject that will continue to fascinate us until the end of time. 
This show is all about people just like you, along with experts and celebrities, all sharing experiences dealing with matters of the heart. Join your hosts, Devin Berger and Jamel Davenport, every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time for This Thing Called Love on the Voice America Variety Channel and get the answers about love that you need. Tune in for encouraging and motivational stories every week on Minding Your Business, Living Life Beyond Invisible Barriers. Your host, Dr. David A. Blender, brings together guests from all walks of life who not only have found personal and professional success, but who are committed to help you achieve success. Each week and with each story, we strive to change the world a little bit at a time. Minding Your Business, Living Life Beyond Invisible Barriers is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon. Our topic is a Merck Manual for Family Caregivers. Now, let's talk about the things you both would like to see done to advance information support for family caregivers. Now, Rob, information for family caregivers about caring for themselves. What should they know? Well, that's uh, an important thing that we often neglect as as caretakers because we think, well, we're tough, we can handle it. Don't worry about me, uh, I've, we've got to take care of mom. But this is a long-term disorder, and it's, it's stressful. Um, I've gone through it. I think a lot of our listeners have. So we have to, to plan ahead uh, for what's going to happen. So not only things like advanced directives, planning ahead, but planning ahead to know what the caregiver's own limits are. Uh, everybody's in a different situation as to how much time they have, are they working, how much money do they have, what are their physical resources, uh, you know, a family that <clears throat> lives up on the third floor, can't handle mom as well as somebody that, uh, that lives in a flat, um, a caregiver who has their own physical handicap. I see this often clinically where the caregiver has bad arthritis, has a visual handicap. So all of these things have to be taken into account a family discussion just ha- has to be involved. This is where we see problems all the time. Uh, siblings are unclear or in disagreement about who's going to do what, who's going to pay for what, who's going to uh, come over when there's a problem, who's going to help with the finances. If you plan it ahead, you can at least minimize some of, some of that 
fighting. Then personal care, take care of yourself. Make sure you get the right diet. Make sure you do the exercises that uh, Christine and I have been talking about, that you take some time. Contact uh, any organizations that can can offer support and advice. And there are uh, there's places for daycare for elders. There's respite care. Uh, a home health aid uh, may, may be necessary. And realize that at some point with Alzheimer's, for virtually all of us, um, professional help is likely to be necessary, assisted living or, or a nursing home. And uh, don't think that that is not necessarily the older person's uh, best, best option. It may well be. Right. Christine, it's exactly the same question. Information about care for family caregivers themselves. Christine? Well, I, I think, first of all, helping families understand that um, they're going to go through a variety of emotions. You know, this isn't something that you just kind of go, oh, you know, thank you very much for that. Um, but, but knowing that, you know, you may feel guilty, you may feel angry, all of those are kind of normal responses. And that the person themselves who has been diagnosed may be, you know, experiencing many of the same kinds of emotions. I would say part of it, too, is get as much information as you can get. And it doesn't really matter what the disease is. Inform yourself because the more you know, the better prepared you are. And I think the better prepared you are, I always say, you know, prepare for the worst and expect, you know, hope for the best. That's really what we can do. But I think it's a little bit, I always use the analogy of driving, that if you were sent off to find a destination with no directions and no map, you could get lost and pretty frustrated pretty quickly, which would really affect you negatively, where if you have a map and some directions, you may not be prepared for every bump in the road. You may not know where every crossroad is, where every stop sign is, but at least you have an idea of where you're going. And that, to me, is a bit of the the dementia journey, is help yourself have a map. And that is to learn about the disease, learn about the effects it can have on the person and the effects that it can have on you as as the care partner. And then recognize that caregiving... I think all caregivers should have halos. They they have huge, broad shoulders most of the time, but it's pretty tough, as Rob said, to keep doing it on your own. At some point, you need help. And so recognizing that caregiving in itself takes a toll on you and looking after your own well-being, because if you're not well, you're not well for the other person who is going to need you. Right. Now... I'm going, just going to ask you uh, to give a message to family caregivers. We've got a moment or two just before the end. And Rob and Christine, you both had personal experience as well as your knowledge and your insights and your, you know, the way in which you um, have professional experience relating to family caregivers and the people they're looking after. So, Rob, first of all, what's your quick sort of takeaway message to family caregivers who are concerned about what Christine was just talking about, that is getting information to help them care for their family members. Rob? Well, there's certainly a lot of resources anymore, and, of course, I have to put in a a plug for mine. The Merck Manual Home Health Handbook (laughs) has a good place to start. Uh, It's a book. We have a mobile app on the iTunes 
bookstore, and it's free online at um, markmanuals.com forward slash home. It's always at your fingertips pretty much everywhere. Other resources, though, there's tons of them. If I could say anything on, on how to sort through them is, you know, use your common sense about it. If um, Be careful of, of sites and books that have one idea that they're really trying hard to sell you about, whether it's they're in favor of something or they're against something. But if, they're, if it's alarmist and strident uh, sounding, and they're saying that this is the cause of all your problems, this is the solution to all your problems, <laughs> it's, it's probably not as sound as, a, as an information source. It sounds like it's reasonable and it's, and it's weighing the options. Um, you know, the, I think the best example people could relate to, um, I just had more experience with car buying than I care to. My older son's car and my wife's car died within a week of each other last <laughs> month. So um, I'm, I'm looking at car information. And um, on the one hand, there was consumer reports. And on the other hand, there's the car manufacturer site. So right. you know, the, the one... Well, I- I'm going to have to stop you there. I'm sorry, but I want to give Christine the last word on this one. Your message to family caregivers, please. Well, of course, I'm going to plug the Alzheimer's Society here in Canada and the (laughs) Alzheimer's Association in the United States, along with the Merck Medical Manual. (laughs) But I think that um, we're certainly, as an organization, very careful in vetting the information that gets onto our website, that gets into the hands of our Federation members. And I know that that's true for the association in the United States, and certainly I know in the U.K. and Australia um, we like to think that we're the go-to people because we're the facilitators. We can ha- we may not have all the answers or the information, but we can help you get it. So we're the facilitators for that. So that's my plug. I would certainly say uh, my message is you can't do it alone. You know, get get help and and you know use the resources that you can, and also be aware that this can be a very stressful occupation, one that you didn't ask for, but a stressful occupation. So be aware of those signs of caregiver stress because just like the disease is gradual, I think the stress builds up for people and they may not always see the effect that has on them either. So just be aware and there's lots of caregiver stress questionnaires out there for you as well. Right. Now I'm going to summarize by saying, for me anyway, Rob and Christine, you've made a good case for information resources for family caregivers. They are, these resources overlap, obviously, what, what we provide to patients and also what provided to the, the various professions. But I think family caregivers are in a situation where they need and they merit and they deserve the kind of information that you both together are or individually are working on. And I hope that one day we will see the Merck Manual online for family caregivers. And I won't ask for a plug for Family Caregivers Unite, but it would, <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> so I want to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. I want to say thank you to Rob Porter, Dr. Rob Porter and Christine Gordon for really sharing with us a great deal of experience, insight, and advice. And all I can say is every success to you both in your work. And I hope that through this episode, you may in fact find time to work with each other because a North American 
wide approach to a condition which afflicts both countries, uh, which isn't curable, I think would make a lot of sense in these days. So that's my plug. Now, in our next episode, we'll be talking about how forgetting a big concern in Alzheimer's disease works when there's nothing wrong with our brains. So please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.